Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week I'm joined with uh, Brian Force. And Brian, for everyone who doesn't know who you are, who are you? <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I am the uh, the team leader here at Livian DFW. That's Dallas-Fort Worth. So we run uh, a couple of offices. We actually have three locations in the North Texas area. We have Dallas, Flower Mound, and uh, South Lake. So uh, we have about a 30-agent team here, and uh, I am the one that is in charge of changing the printer ink when it runs out, um, you know, making sure that the, the fridge is always stocked with healthy snacks and, uh, and the like. <laughs> Speaking of healthy snacks, do we just need to get into it right now with your healthy snack habit of eating yellow peppers? Like, I've already been asked, is Brian going to bring a bell pepper to eat during the middle of this conversation? What oh, is this bro. bell pepper thing all about, bro? It, it would take me 10 seconds to run in the fridge and, ga- and grab one. I am like, I, I want to ask general society, what is their problem with it? Because I will, t- I eat them every day. I think they taste like apples. I think it's weird that we eat apples and we think that it's weird to eat bell peppers. You know, what's what's funny about it is, you know, for, for people that don't, don't know me, I'm a pretty notoriously like healthy eater and I was having a conversation with some of our leaders the other day just about how we show up, you know, like how how we show up and how we energize our team. And a big part of that is doing what you say you're going to do, right? Practicing what you preach. And I, and I tend to use that as an example sometimes. I was like, the, the people that, you know, the reason people kind of playfully make fun of me about the bell pepper thing and all that type of stuff is because I don't preach, hey, you need to eat healthy and take care of your body. And then secretly you'll see me walking down the hall eating a Snickers bar like I, I am also the guy that at dinner and stuff and we're having a birthday or whatever, you don't even offer me the cake because you know I'm not going to eat it because I've practiced what I've preached for so long. And I also think that there's, there's something about that for leadership too and that if you're going to preach something, it's important to practice it too. So I wear my bell prepper pride strong and I eat them in the office every day and I think I'm having a little bit of an influence on people. Is there <laughs> anyone else who decides to eat bell peppers like apples like you around the office yet? I There are no less than three other agents on the team Gosh. that are religious about it now. And you know what? They found the same thing that I found. They They're good. They're not spicy. They're sweet. Like you get addicted to it, man. But I like to think that that's my little, my little cultural influence that I'm having is just slowly over time showing people, you know, what it's like to live that lifestyle. And I think it's working. Dude, I like that. So, so then kind of let's, let's go backwards a little bit. I want to, I want to like put a pin in the, um, the modeling self-leadership um, because that's super profound, but I just had to bust your balls first on the, on the bell <laughs> sure. peppers. So um, walk me through, uh, you're the you're the you know team owner and and head of janitorial services in exactly. in Dallas and the Dallas Metro, um, <laughs> like and now you're you have 30 agents. But what did it look like before you got to where you are now? What did it look like sure. when you started with Livian? When we started with Livian, you know, and it was still called Her Group back then before we, we partnered with Gary and, and, and did the rebrand and everything. Going back maybe even a little further than, than when I partnered with, with what became Livian, I was an individual agent trying to grow his own team and, and probably stuck in the same place that, that a lot of people in that position feel they are, where you, you understand, I think, what needs to happen. I think if you were a really 
productive individual agent, you sort of understand what needs to happen to continue to grow your business. You need structure, you need systems, you need operations. Obviously, you need lead flow. You need processes. You need your SOPs, right? There are a lot of really talented individual agents that actually don't realize that they have SOPs. They've just never documented them before. But their SOPs are just their habits, their ways of doing things. Their standard operating procedures are the way that they do things. And if I'm a really talented individual agent and I do a lot of transactions, I've gotten in the groove of doing things the same way over and over and over. So I do have SOPs. They're just my habits. I just haven't really documented them. And then when we run into a ceiling like I did is I was doing a, a lot of business, but sales is not really my passion. Building is my passion, right? I, I, I love building things. And over time, I, I like to think that that passion for building things has turned into a passion for, for helping others grow. Um, and so I brought on my first few agents. Um, I had my wife, who is a saint, was working for me for free at the time as, as basically the director of everything. Um, yeah, she's listing manager, transaction manager, marketing coordinator, everything. And I was just selling and trying to build, I was trying to get everything that we did out of here and, and actually build it into a, a systematic fashion. So I brought on my first few agents. I think we got up to like five agents was the most I ever had kind of on my own when I was running the Brian Force real estate team. And all of a sudden I was miserable. Um, it was just one of those situations where you think things are going to be a certain way and they're not. And then you're scrambling to understand why. And you're doing all, of, <clears throat> I'm doing almost all of the production on my own. While I'm still trying to coach and train my agents, who are mostly newer, younger agents at the time, I'm trying to really build out robust systems so that we can get the SOPs out of my head and be, create repeatable processes. And all of a sudden it goes from, hey, you know, I'm selling real estate and I'm making good money. This isn't really my calling as sales, um, but I'm good at it. And I could do this, you know, as a career for as long as I want to, but I really want more to overnight going, I am drowning. I feel like I have three jobs right now. I'm not doing any of them well. My sales are suffering because I'm spending so much time trying to build systems and train and coach and recruit and do all these things. And we haven't gotten enough traction yet that the team is really producing a whole lot. So I'm still the rainmaker and the leader and the mentor and the therapist and the coach and the visionary and all of these things. And all of a sudden I'm making less money than I ever have in real estate. I, I I'm losing money and, and um, you know, all that I have to show for it is cool marketing pictures with more people in them than just me. And so, you know, as, as fate would have it, you know, being in the, in the business for a long time, I've, I've got a lot of amazing friends and, and, and colleagues and, they all have kind of different uh, different strengths and skill sets than I do. And who is now my my business partner, Matt Kelderman, was just one of my best friends at the time. And he was struggling in, in sort of the same way. He had joined her group um, about a year before, Adam Hergenrother's expansion company. And he's the exact opposite of me when it comes to the business side of things. He is a pure salesman. He is a conversationalist. He's an incredibly charismatic guy. He's very, very, very knowledgeable. Um, he has no problem having fierce conversations. He is a, a true, um, I think he's a true salesman salesman in the sense that he's not really a salesman. He's just a great operator. He's just good at what he does. Right. And he had no real interest in building the back end of things. He's just a natural born talent. He's like, uh, I, I like to call him the Reggie Jackson of real estate. Reggie Jackson has had, had no swing coach. It was just like, I see a ball. I hit a ball. That's as much as I think about it. Right. And so we 
you know, I was at a, a moment in my career where I was like, I have to make a decision. I am either going to just burn myself up doing what I'm doing right now. I'm going to just go back to being an individual agent, even though it's not my passion. Or frankly, I'm going to go do something else or your for a living. You know, you probably at some point. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. <laughs> she was working Insane. for free, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's still early on, you know, so there's still time, but, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's difficult on your relationships. It's difficult on your home life. And so I had to make a decision and, um, you know, I saw in Matt, a lot of the things that I struggled with and I think vice versa. And so, I mean, our deal was, look, let's, let's merge, let's partner and you go out and for the, for the short term, just go out and produce, sell as many homes as you possibly can lead generate like crazy. I will recruit. I will build systems. I will, I will do all of the back end stuff. I will train the agents. I will pour into the team and I'll still try and produce as much as I possibly can. But as long as you do the things that are in your, your strong, you know, your genius zone, I'll do the things that are in mine. And quite frankly, neither of us are really super happy with the way things are going right now. So we can't take too many steps backwards, you know? Um, so really that was, that was it. We partnered. And immediately all of our agents on both of our teams pretty much left. Um, there was just some, sort of, you know, it's kind of a cultural shock to everybody, I think. And uh, people start looking around and going too many things are changing at once. What kind of value am I really getting? You know, I'm going to go a different direction. So we went from each having about five agents on our team to having at one point about a month in when everybody started to kind of find the exit, it was me, Matt and my wife, lady. And that was it. And we were sat, yeah, we sat in this kind of little, little closet that you, we, we called an office, but it really wasn't. And, um, and we start, we just basically said, look, we're going to give this everything that we've got every single day. We're going to learn a lot. We are going to, we are going to show up for one another every day. And, uh, you know, we've taken that from, I think I only the the last year of the Brian Forrest real estate team. I think we did 12 million and, uh, and we were fortunate enough to close about 110 million last year and, uh, 310 transactions. So, you know, coming from a place of, of, of almost a little bit of desperation, it was probably the best choice career wise I ever made, not just to, to, to put myself in a place where I was with partners that, that complemented my strengths, but obviously, and we're going to get into this a lot partnering with Livian was, I think the biggest, the biggest X factor there, because I think we would have been starting from scratch and, and been kind of in over our heads if we didn't have the right the right partnerships and, and Livian's been a key factor. But that's so good, man. I didn't know all that story either. So we're talking what that's about been how many years ago? Three years, four years ago? Three that so that was April, early April two thousand nineteen. Okay. So three and a half years ago. Okay. Time flies, so man. so throwing one hundred million in in additional production on the board in three years. One hundred million in three years. That that's insane. Most people say that that's not it's, possible. How, how did that happen? I think that if you had told me that that was going to happen back then, I would have told you that's not yeah. possible. I remember one of the uh, first days that we walked in that little closet, we had just enough room for a, like a medium sized whiteboard. And at the top of it, it said that uh, DFW would be number one in Herg. We were still called Herg at the time. And I even remember chuckling inside my own head, like, okay, you know, like we're just trying to survive here. Um, you know, how it happened is, 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 you know, there's a, there's a million things I'm sure. Right. I, I think that, you know, first and foremost, that first and foremost processes and systems. And I know that that's like such a buzzword and, and an easy thing to say. Um, 
you know, and, and, and there's a lot of people that talk about like, you got to have your processes, you got to have your systems, you got to have your conveyor belt and stuff like that I, to actually boil down what that means to, to build any business. What you've got to do is you've got to be able to replicate the things that you are naturally talented at doing and replicate them in a way that allows other people that maybe don't have the exact same skill set as you to come in and be successful, right? So that that boils down to everything, okay? If you're a great individual agent, then you're probably really, really great at solving transactional problems. You're probably really great at lead generation. Probably have good time management, right? You probably have, you have solid habits. You probably have great conversational skills. You're probably a decent objection handler. You probably know how to have valuable conversations and come from contribution. Probably know how to advise people well. There's a lot of things that go into being a good individual operator. And as somebody who's coming in and trying to grow you know, my individual business, I may not be great at all of those things. And, and quite frankly, not all of those things make me money. There are, are a lot of, I would venture to say, there are maybe even a majority of individual agents that that are really good or even decent producers that either don't have a PL or if they do they don't even know what it looks like yeah. you know and so um i i would argue that having ro like robust and structured systems allows people to come into your business and operate in their genius zone at all times we we i try to keep everything really simple from a from a theoretical perspective and we we kind of have a a philosophy and it's really living and wide that our agents only do five things. That's set appointments, so go on, or so, so lead generation, go on appointments, sign agreements, so you're listing and buyer agreements, execute contracts, and go to closings. If you're doing anything else besides that, the team should be handling that. And I think if you take that philosophy from the beginning and go, okay, how do I create an environment where the people that I am, am in task with serving and helping them grow that they're only doing those five things because those are the five things that they that we can't replicate. That's that's them coming in and operating every single day. So then you just kind of work backwards. What would need to happen to keep all of those agents doing only those five things every day? And then what happens is when you start to build those out slowly, one step at a time, you know, you start with your 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 transactional leverage, your listing management, your transaction management. How many hours of our day? when we're producing at a high level are taken up with transaction management and listing management, getting listings to the market and managing transactions that are in escrow. It's a, it's a substantial amount of time and it puts a ceiling on our business. So how do we remove that? Just take that off the table. And then that becomes my first value proposition, right? And now how do I, how do I generate opportunity for my agents that can be generated in a multitude of different ways, either through actual marketing and, and leads that are incoming um, or through, through, through coaching, training, uh, you know, having a rigid structure around your culture and the way that you do things, the majority of lead generation and, and creating opportunity in your business is habit-based. You can write a check for as many yeah. leads as you want, but if you don't have the habits to service them, then, then you're not going to do anything with them. And so you build a system around, here's how we lead generate every day. And then what happens is now you have the opportunity to grow, to go out and go, Hey, my, my business is a business. It's, it's systematic and it's structured. And now what I can do is I can sit across the table from another agent who's trying to build their business and going, here's what I'm struggling with right now. Here's where I'm struggling and hitting a ceiling in my business. And I can go, fantastic. This is where we're finding alignment because here's how our business is set up. And if we were to partner 
here's the things that will be leveraged off of your plate so that you can go out and thrive and just do the things that you're good at. And if I think if you try to build it all at once, it's going to be really, really difficult because you're probably not going to do everything, you know, very well. But if you start to reverse engineer, what would need to happen to put people in positions where they're only focusing on the things that only they can do and only focusing on dollar productive activities, all of a sudden you have a real value proposition. And then what happens is you start to see people work the systems and then it grows. They start to become successful. And it's really amazing when they start to become successful because not only are you accomplishing what you're setting out to accomplish, which is really cool, all of a sudden you have stories. You you have evidential proof of, hey, this is working. People that People that weren't maybe reaching their potential before are growing inside the systems that we've built. And that becomes really attractive for other people. And so a lot of this has been a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, we've been really blessed that we don't have to do a ton of recruiting, recruiting. Um, you know, we do, we do a lot of, um, we do a lot of what I call contributive recruiting. And that sounds like kind of a kind of strange way to say it, but we, we do a lot of educational events. We do a podcast, we do a lot of type of stuff. We, we do a lot of stuff where we like to pull back the curtain on our business. And if it resonates with people, that's awesome. Um, if it doesn't, that's, that's totally cool too. And we never, uh, we never like, lean on people to try to recruit them or anything. We just, we, we put it out there, what our business is about, what our culture is about, what our environment's about, and it tends to attract people. And so building it slowly one step at a time has allowed us to kind of gradually attract more and more like-minded people. And then you turn around three years later and you go, Oh my gosh, this has been a heck of a ride. So it's, it's been pretty, unbelievable. Right, dude, I want to I go back to something you said that I think is really profound that people that, I mean, everything was profound, of course. However, one thing um, <laughs> I, I hear people, I, I don't hear people mention that you said, which was that lead generation or generating more opportunity is not just about buying leads. I literally got asked this question yesterday by a top team that, that was interested in partnering with Livian. They said, you know, how does Livian help you generate leads? And, um, and I love that you mentioned sometimes the best lead generation is having the best habits. Because one thing I know about your team is that um, you guys actually have the habits of lead generation. I had a birthday last week. Every one of your annoyed, every one of your agents annoyed the shit out of me with their birthday messages, and <laughs> it's proof that they have that habit. How does how do you instill that from a leadership standpoint? It's cultural, and and I appreciate you saying that. I'm I'm glad that happened. That means <laughs> that they're doing right. what they're supposed to be doing, right? I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head. You know, if if I want more leads, yeah. I'll just write a bigger check. You know, and 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 that'll also lead to a lot of waste. And so, you know, I I I think it's um, you know, I talk with a lot of colleagues, and and one of the things that that they talk about a lot is like, you know, they talk about cost per lead and things like that. And I'm like, you guys are focused on the wrong thing. You, you know, cost per lead. How about your cost per closing? Right? If you're yeah. generating a whole bunch of leads but you're not closing any of them, then you don't have the right habits. And it's also exactly right. And it's also true that. If you have the right habits, you don't always need to, to stroke a big check for leads. You'll go out and find them, right? In in any um, you know any successful real estate business, I believe you're always going to be sixty percent or more sphere based yeah. anyway, right? And and so the leads that you need to be successful, I would argue that if you're over that if you if you're over the age of twenty five, probably you've probably already and, and and you've lived in the same place for a decent amount of time. 
you probably already know just about the everybody that you need to know to hit your short-term goals. And then that becomes self-fulfilling as well because the more business you do, the more referrals you get, the easier you know it is to, to make your business sustainable. And so, yeah, we, we, we do have a lot of, like we do stroke a check for leads every single month. We've got mouths to feed, but we behind that, are the habits of lead generation every single day. And so like, that's one of them, right? Is, you know, every single person that has a birthday, we have the habit of, let's not just be another person yeah. on your wall that says yeah. H, you know, HBD, yeah. exclamation mark, right? Pick up your darn phone and wish this person a happy birthday because if you deepen relationships with people, one, you're just gonna have better and deeper relationships and who who doesn't want that? And true, your business will grow on its own. So when it comes to, our lead generation habits, we we try to find opportunity yeah. where it's at, right? For the last couple of years, prospecting hasn't been huge for us because there haven't been a lot of, you know, say expireds or anything like that. Now that there are, we have people leaning into them every day. Our sphere, the exact same way. We, we, we try to create the habit and the culture of how can we go deeper with people and have more conversations, have better conversations and remain top of mind with people that already know, like, and trust us so that our business, we're never, we're never wondering where our next yeah. deal is coming from. And I think that that, that, that relies so much on what your habits Man, look it's, like. Every it's time. funny you say that because, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm close to that, like, Facebook max of the amount of, you know, friends you can have or whatever. Um, sure. I used my birthday as a way to uh, delete people from my uh, friend list, just parse it out. I'm like, this is the third year in a row I've got the same sure. paste and copy uh, – happy birthday from people, which means they're, they're off the list, right? Don't, don't waste your time being impersonal when, when, when being exactly. personal and being intentional can be so profound. I mean, it, I, I, yep. We, we, we say it all the time is, is, you know, social media is a great example now. Like people, here's a really good, great, just like kind of actionable tip. People ask all the time, you know, what should I be posting on social media to get more real estate business? And and I think that that's that there's a you know that's a it's a valid question. And there's certainly you know tactics and things that you can do. Right? It is a it is a medium by which you can communicate whatever information you want to communicate to people that already have some sort of uh, relationship with you. And so that that's fantastic. And what's a better way to view your social media is not what can I post that will make people want to do more business with me. People want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. So we train our people, flip the script. You should be viewing your social media every day as a window into the opportunity to, to, to bring value to your other people, right? I guarantee if you scroll down your wall for even 30 seconds, there's going to be someone yeah. that you can help that day. Even if, and, and by help, I don't even mean you go out and buy them something. I mean, like, maybe somebody that just yeah. needs to hear from you that day that you haven't spoken to in a while. They're going to put something up that if you pull up your messenger and say, hey, man, I saw what you wrote and I really appreciate it. Or, or if you need anything from me, I'm here for you or whatever. Like view your social media as a way that you can help others rather than going, what should I put out there so That's that more right. people see me yeah. so that they want to do business? Yeah, exactly. it's, uh, it's so wild, though. I, I love that observation. man. That's I think that that's um, one of the key differences from leadership is that so many people see the world one way. And then leaders see the exact same reality through a, through a totally different lens. Where do you think that comes from for you? Experience, quite frankly, and that that's 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 got to be. I, I hope that most leaders uh, uh, have the humility to admit that because I just 
maybe some people are born leaders and, and, uh, that certainly wasn't me. I think that, um, you know, looking back on my journey, you know, this business grew, like we kind of talked about really rapidly. And so I had, I had to learn a lot about leadership on the fly. And I think what happens is, you know, if you, if you wake up every day and you're doing things for the right reason, meaning I wasn't always the best leader, I'm still not. I have a million miles to go on my journey. I also know that I did start this business for the right reasons. And, and, and that was because I, I, I believe I was raised from a young age to genuinely care about other human beings and, 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 and have, a, um, have a mindset that if you're good to other people, then at least your world will become a better place. Maybe not the world, but your world will become a better place. And so I think that if you show up with that mindset, a little bit of a servant's heart, and you're showing up going, you know, rather than going, how do I maximize the dollars and cents in this business? And how do I get mine every single day? If you come from the mindset of how do I help these people grow every day, as slow as that might be, or as long as that may take, you start to really realize that, you know, whatever scenario or situation it is, you tend to view it from maybe a different perspective than people that don't have that mindset. And, and I think that a lot of opportunity can show up in your world by proxy when you're working every day to try to bring value to others. Like that is a, you know, that's yeah. the Zig Ziglar thing. You know, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get, and I always, you know, that's such an overused phrase that it almost seems cheeseball now, but I think it's been true in my world. I know that when I stopped caring, not stopped caring, but when I stopped focusing on, you know, how I could enrich myself in my business and how the business could provide for more people, I started seeing a lot of things from a different perspective and through a different lens. And then by, you know, just organically, the business started to grow. And now, honestly, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, because it doesn't really feel like my business anymore, which I actually wanted, right? Like this, this family is a place where I come and try and contribute every day. And I do have like a few, like, I don't do very many affirmations and stuff like that. We all kind of have our own routine. But one thing I do do is I, I say out loud on my way to work, or at least under my breath and my wife's with me. So she doesn't think I'm a crazy person. Um, I just, I, re I remind myself when I pull up that I'm here to contribute today. And, um, I think when you, when you come with that mindset, rather than I am the leader and what I say goes, and I'm in charge, you show up every day going, how, how do I contribute today? Then you start to see things from a little bit broader perspective and a lot of opportunities. The, tend and to manifest the thing that I notice um, from by both being in person and observing from afar is that it seems like your people love you. Like it really does seem like that, that, that the, agents and and ops team that you work with um are our team brian force uh has it always been that way oh uh, okay. man i'd like to say that it's always been that way i think that uh i i i, I don't i don't i i've certainly had my moments right i can't it, it, there's no uh i'm, I'm self-aware yeah. enough to know that it probably hasn't always been that way in, in difficult times and times of stress i probably haven't been the best version of myself for sure i think that you know, I'm, I'm adamant about a few simple things in our business. Like I said, I try to keep things very, very simple. Um, I'm adamant that our business provides a better experience for everyone. And I mean that for clients and for agents. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, 
when we when we fundamentally drop a ball on the client service side, it really irks me because I believe that we work in an industry that has relatively low barriers to entry. And because it has low barriers to entry, then the general public is relatively underserved yeah. when it comes to real estate fiduciaries. And so it drives me crazy when we screw something up because I'm like, we're, 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 we're feeding this ideology that we're overpaid. Right. And so I, I have a fundamental, you know, insistence that we give the clients a better experience than, than anyone else. And then I also believe that for our agent partners and everyone in, not even our agent, every single person that works in the business, our operations staff, our marketing department, everybody, I care very deeply. And I'm insistent that when they show up for work every day, again, I keep it really simple. When they show up for work every day, I never want anybody to feel like they wish they were still at home. I want them to want to be here. And that can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes all it means is that we need to be able to give them a space where they can lean into their habits and lead generate and not distract them and, and, and give them their time to be productive. Sometimes it means, you know, it's a difficult industry. It's an emotionally trying industry. It's, it's a very, very hard industry to gain a lot of traction, to build and nurture and sustain your pipeline, to find consistent income. And that's really, really, really difficult to do when you feel like you're on an island. It's difficult to do when you feel like you're under pressure. I know a lot of other team leaders that, that I believe their team feels a lot of pressure to perform and it can work against them in a negative way. And I have found over the, my short few years doing this that when I make it a point to create an environment where people feel comfortable and safe and and loved and valued that I don't need to focus as much on you know are they producing at the level that they could be we provide the systems and the opportunity and the coaching and the training and and, and everything they need to be successful and then more importantly I'm adamant that we create an environment where they want to be there every day and they feel safe and loved and supported because then they're going to take you advantage said that of that. They, when they come into the when they come in, you want them to not regret being in. Does that mean that your um, people work from the office? Okay, just about everybody. It means I mean, you know, and we can never, um, you know, with with a team yeah. as large as ours, we could never get a hundred percent attendance. You know, obviously, our, all of our operations and everything they they work from the office. Um, but we, we get, we get pretty good attendance from our agents. You know, I, I, I like to think that, you know, it, it just goes back to just sort of the, 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 the cultural ideology around the, around the corporate world. Right. And that's where I get that from is like, who shows up to their corporate job, gets to their cubicle in the morning. And they're like, man, I'm just so pumped. Yeah. Like it's a running joke in our American yeah. culture of like, gotta go to work, gotta punch the clock. Like, why do we have that sucks? Like, you know, I, I don't, years. yeah. In, in, in millions of, yes, in millions yeah. of millions and millions of people do. Yeah. And then you got to ask yourself, how much more productive would people be if when they got to the office, they were happy to be there? Like they were like, I'm ready to, to do this today because I'm, I'm with people I love. I'm doing something that's, that I enjoy. Like I feel like I'm fundamentally moving my life forward today. If that's the one thing that I've accomplished as a leader is creating an environment where people feel like they're moving themselves forward every day, then I, yeah, I think that on sure. some level I've done So, it. 
so you, how do you get them then to follow habits? Is it getting them into the office? And then that culture creates um, a synergy of best practices and habits. Because I, I know that as an industry, we prescribe all these best practices. And then most people don't follow them, mm -hmm. what is my experience. So tactically or mechanically, how, how are you able to accomplish that with the team? Yeah, hundred percent. And and you hit the nail on the head. Most people don't follow them, and that's that. That's what I think. Um, I, that's what I think the difference is for us. You know, it, it starts with everything in your business. If you're the leader, is going to start with you. And so, it, the same way that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to slowly see more and more people around the office eat bell peppers. Um, you know, they, it's, 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 it's because I, you know, our, our operations. You know, obviously those are our, our salaried employees, and and you know. I, I, I love the culture that we've built around, around, um, them and their departments as well. They show up every day too. So I, I have made it a point that if I'm not the first person at the office, it's only because what I inspired somebody else to beat me there. Right. So it starts oh, with man. usually about seven 30. Um, <laughs> but that's, I, I'm cheating. Cause I get up and I go to the gym and everything and the leave? gym's right across the street from the office. So I'll go, I'm kind of spoiled. So I go like, usually I'll get up at five and I'm like, I am adamant that I'm not like, okay. I hate being one of those people that gets up and goes straight to the gym. So I'll get up at five. I usually read, I'll have my tea and I'll just like have my time to just relax or whatever. I'll get to the gym at like five 45. I'll be done by six 45. I'll have my bougie sauna time and all that. And then I'll shower and change and okay. the gym's right or the office is right across the street. So if I'm done at the gym by seven, you know, I'm usually in by seven fifteen, seven thirty, no problem. And that's really more than anything. That's just because if I once I get into my day and the inbox starts piling up, I'm I'm either I have two choices. Either I am I am sitting in front of the TV with the Yankees game on at seven o'clock at night, still working and trying to catch up on all the stuff that I didn't get to that day, or I have an hour and a half in the mornings where no one else is there and I can zero out my so inbox before the day actually really starts. And so Usually I try okay. to, I mean, I try okay. to end around four or five if I can. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I'm also, you know, and, and it just depends on what I'm working on. If I've got fun projects that I'm working on, you know, I'll yeah. just, I'll go until my energy runs out. You know, there, there are days when you don't want to be there anymore and you can't wait to leave. And there are days when you can't, you can't pry me out of the office, you know, but it starts, it has to start with me. And then it starts with my leadership. So we have, you know, with 30 agents and we have, we have directors of sales who are essentially our lead agents and our, you know, our, our main guides and, 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 and models, um, and, and coaches for our agent partners. And so all of our leadership, the same way they are, they have a vested interest in making sure the team produces and making sure that people on the team are, 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 are reaching their potential and they're required to show up the same way that I do. They yeah. don't get the opportunity to go, Hey, I'm just working from home today. Cause what are you doing? You're telling everybody else who's trying to make their career, that they can work from home as well. So I, I find that when I show up, operations shows up, directors of sales show up, yeah. a lot I mean, of other people tough, tend to show up. It, you know, there's so many different ways to do this. Um, I, I you know, selfishly, like I love that model more. I find remote to be uh, a lot more challenging from a leadership standpoint, frankly, than, than being in person. And sure. I also find like, Sometimes I just like to hang out with the team. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to see people too, because you get yeah. that idea of how how people are. Um, 
and and there do, that does feel like the cohesiveness is is far more effective in person. I think I mean it's it's no secret yeah. that people gravitate towards like-minded people, right? So you'll find that over time, if you're when you're building out your team, you're you're, you're you know you're probably not going to partner with a whole bunch of people that aren't at yeah. least in some way like you a little bit. You're not going to partner with a whole bunch of people you fundamentally dislike. And so if you partner with people that you would like and enjoy being around, then they're probably going to enjoy being around one another as well. And if you set the tone of showing up, you're going to create a place where they're not showing up to work and punch a clock. They're showing up to hang out with a whole bunch of people that they really enjoy being around and also lead generate. As we kind of wrap up here, I want to, I want to hit on, on something that I think um, as an industry is, is really common and yet uh, probably under talked about. Um, And that's that, you know, uh, you work with your wife. Um, I work with mine. Adam and Sarah used to work together. Yeah. Gary and and his wife at, at one point very briefly worked together. <laughs> um, we see a lot of the dynamic of sure. of partners working um, together in some capacity. What's that like? It is. Um, it comes with its own set of challenges and opportunities. You know. Um, I think what's what's really worked. I shouldn't say work. What 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 has made you know working with my wife, you know, an unbelievable experience is, you know, two people being on a journey in the same you know, for lack of a better word, entity. Right? We grew this business together. It binds you together in such a in such a uh, you know a, a a a really concrete way because you you're having a lot of the same experiences. You're you're working in it together every single day. You know, and also you know, it robs you of the ability to come home and go, Hey honey, how was work today? Cause like yeah. I was across the hall. I already know how yeah. work was. We've been together literally all day. Right. Like her, her car's in the shop and it might be there for three months yep. actually. Cause they got to back order some parts and, uh, we're like not even skipping a beat. I was yeah, even talking to her the other day. I was like, do we even yeah. need that car anymore? Like yeah. I haven't driven it in forever, you know? <laughs> so, um, it gives you a unique experience. I think that, you know, for us, what's really helped us in the the good times and the challenging times working together is having a unified vision for what we're trying to accomplish you know it, it, we we started working quote unquote together okay. she she used to work in the title industry and she left when whenever i um you know started growing my team and i i really needed the support and the help and we 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 had a vision for what we were trying to build from the beginning and it wasn't you know back then it wasn't I'm just trying to sell a bunch of houses. I I really need help on the transaction side. Can you leave your job and come be my assistant? Right. It was, I have a vision for what I want to build and I have a vision for the life that I want to give us. And for, for us to build together, you know, here's what that would look like. And having that in mind, what you're working towards, it doesn't mean that there's never going to be difficult and challenging times. It, It means that, you know, I think there's so much more synergy in our mindsets towards those challenging times, because we have a fundamental understanding of what it is that we're trying to build together. And that doesn't mean that we're not at each other's throats sometimes about it, about the best way to do things or that, you know, we don't have disagreements about decisions in the business and and things like that. Um, I, I think that it's really important to have a unified vision. And from a tactical standpoint, there's something that I think I disagree with on a lot of people that work with their spouse. We have no rules around shutting down the work talk. Because what I have found, um, 
I have found that, you know, I think it can work for some yeah. people like, Hey, we don't talk about work after six o'clock or something like that. What I've, you know, what I've actually found is that when, when my wife has been working all day and is in a particularly really, really busy stretch where she hasn't really been able to come up for air, but there's something that's been on her mind or something that she wants to express to me about, you know, something we're doing or not doing or an opportunity or just maybe even vent. She might not have an opportunity until (laughs) after 6 PM that day to go, here's what I need to get off my chest. And when I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, when I'm going, Oh, Hey, no work talk after six, I've just robbed you of your ability to communicate something to me that you were being reserved about all day. And now I've just completely shut that down. So I think that we have a, a pretty good uh, intuitiveness around, hey, like, I'm not really yeah. feeling the work talk right now. Like, let's do this later. Or like, let's let's dive into this now. And you kind of find your vibe there. But we have no hard rules around what is or is not, you know, on, on or off limits. I think that we just we have to give each other that grace to be able to realize that even though we work together, we have entirely separate experiences. And so sometimes we need to work outside of that 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 concrete structure I love and that. just allow each other to be um, in the moment. I, you know? I love that because you're right. You hear that like parroted over and over. Yeah, we don't do that either because um, we don't talk about work yeah. during the work day. You know, like we work. Yeah. That's exactly. We I I barely talk to her during the workday. I just trust right. that she's doing and her job and everything's good. Are, are leaders and owners. You can't um, you can't express the same things to your colleagues and your and your peers or your coworkers that you can to each other because exactly you're in a position where you know that you know th- this is the whole reason why people say that leadership is lonely is that there are things that you cannot talk about except for with each other yeah. that have to do with the workday. So. Uh, I love that observation, man. That's, that's key because people do give that advice and you're right. It's hardly even possible to follow and still give the person the space that they need to actually feel valued and feel feel heard. So I love it, dude. Well, we could continue this conversation forever, man. man. And we'll have to do it again for sure. Because, um, you know, I know that, that I've learned a ton and the listeners will as well. $100 million in volume in three years is insane um more insane than eating bell peppers like apples so uh i appreciate the conversation brian man and uh, i look forward to having it again soon likewise brother i can't wait to do it again man i appreciate you